Well, I think if you gave me Bubba Schobert's RS750 uh, on the factory, you know, when Skip Bacon and them guys were on the team, and give me about two weeks to prepare, even though I'm getting up in age, I'd wax Mises' ass. Episode 50, Tank Slapping Podcast. Another show, 50, episode 50. It's crazy to think about. We are, this is the 50th show. Well on our way, I guess. But nah, we got a, a really good guest today. But first and foremost, want to shout out my co-host once again, Robbie McClendon. Robbie, what's up, man? Man, I didn't realize it was show number 50, so you're making your way on up. Happy to be here. Happy to talk to our guest today. I'm pretty excited about this one. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was episode 50 either until I looked at my notes here. So, uh, yeah, uh, well, it's it's Rich King, uh, factory former factory Harley-Davidson racer, second in the points in 2001, won a shit ton of, of races, Springfield Mile. I, I think he's got five or six of those trophies on the shelf. Really, really fast rider from Iowa. So, Stoked to have Rich on and talk a bit about uh, his career and things like that. What it's like racing for the factory Harley team. Worked with Bill Werner, Jennifer Snyder. He had as a teammate. Uh, he went through a lot of stuff, and you know he started racing in the '90s. I get well, maybe it was the '80s. We'll have to talk to him. But then he competed all the way up until like the middle of the 2000s. And I actually got to race with Rich. My rookie year was, I guess, I want to say it was his final year. I think it was 2007. And I got to race with him a little bit. And he's a really, really cool guy, really good guy, and a lot of knowledge in the industry, Rob. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to Rich. Um, there seems like um, there was a time in my career, I think during my 883s, when we went to Springfield, you know, twice a year, and Rich was the guy at Springfield. You know, you never really, you never really counted him out anywhere, but he just figured out Springfield for a good solid, I think, what, five or six wins. So, um, you know, not saying anything bad about the bike training, but gosh dang, that's that's difficult to do that consistently. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of he's kind of an underrated rider. I mean, uh, it, he he beat a lot of fast guys consistently. Like I said, he finished second in the point standings to Chris Carr in two thousand one, and he was a factory Harley racer for I think seven years. So yeah, he's he's very underrated, and he's still really fast. I actually raced him not too long ago. I want to say it was five six years ago, at Volusia. And I get around Volusia pretty good, Rob. And he beat me. <laughs> I was, I couldn't find a way around him. He was on like a really fast framer and uh, he got the whole shot. And he's one of the savviest guys I've raced against. He, he knows what it takes to win races, which is relatable for me. Like he's, he's, you know, not raw talent, but he's just very good with his racecraft and things like that. So yeah, anyway, I'm excited to have Rich on the show. Rob, I don't know if you saw, man. Well, I know you saw, but I don't know if our listeners saw, but I, I actually got to ride a bull taco last week, dude. And it was pretty damn awesome. Yeah. That's what I've been trying to tell other folks too. Cause I'll be the first one to, to admit when I first got approached to ride a bull taco, I was, a, it was a big, just meh, like, eh, I'll ride it. Whatever. It's a flat track bike. And after coming out of turn two at Springfield on the outlap, I'm like, holy shit, this thing is fucking awesome. And uh, that was a uh, Randy Majors bike I rode then, and then um, myself and Walt Metzler teamed back up, and, and the rest is history. And I'm glad you got to ride one. Um, I got to say, as much shit talking as I do to you, I'm not really thrilled to race against you on one. Um, you know, don't tell anybody I told you that. 
because I'm going to hear it now. But, um, yeah, I, I can see Cortex are hurting a lot of feelings on Boltacos if – if that's the uh, the factory team he goes with in the uh, the distant future, and it better be the very far distant future, but um, yeah, tell us about that. I know there's some yeah. some old dudes that would love to hear your opinion on it from a from a pro pro rider stand. Dude, it was sick. Like it's crazy to think about. They sold those bikes as is. Like you bought that bull taco the way I rode it. Essentially, like you know, obviously some parts were probably you know modified or whatever. But yeah, it's crazy. Like. It fit me perfect. As a little guy, I don't weigh very much. I jumped on that thing. Um, it felt like I was riding a mini bike again, like an 80cc two-stroke framer. I mean, they were so lightweight. It had a lot of power. And for being a 50-year-old 50, 50 bike, it didn't feel that vintage-y. Like, a lot of vintage bikes feel shitty. And to be honest, I hate Rotax because those bikes feel so vintage-y to me. I, I don't like riding them. But the uh, Astro was really cool. And a lot of people don't know, like I've never really ridden two strokes, Rob. Like, um, like I had an 80 CC when I was younger, but I only raced it maybe once. Like I didn't really race it too much. And, you know, growing up, I went right to a 454 stroke. I never rode a 252 stroke growing up. I never rode a 125. I never really had a two stroke, uh, growing up. So, you know, learning how to ride the Astro with the compression release and, and just learning how to ride a two stroke, it's pretty epic. So I actually, I have a two stroke 125 motocross bike coming. <laughs> I just got from Yamaha so I can practice on that a little bit. And I don't know, man, I, I'm, I'm trying to see, you know, I, I'm going to try and pull double duty possibly at Volusia and see if they'll let me run the uh, production twins class and then get a wild card for the, for the Astro cup. Man, I would love to see that. I know that uh, some other racers would not love to see that. Um, you know what, though? Uh, I, I know he's your buddy, too, but I think Kevin Varnes would probably welcome that because last year he was kind of going away, and I think he might have partially seized it up. So I'm sure he'll welcome the competition. I know uh, Jackie Mitchell is probably drooling with the chance to, to race against a pro guy, so I'm really excited to see uh, see you out there. And if there's anybody in good enough physical shape to run two classes in one day, I mean, obviously uh, you're one of the few. They're not pointing any fingers at me for that, that's for sure. <laughs> nah it was cool dude yeah so if you get a chance you haven't seen it i put some helmet cam footage up on my page and things like that but uh i had a couple fan questions let's do a couple of these and then we'll get we'll get rich king on the line but what is one race you wish was on the schedule for this year that isn't on there like when the schedule came out rob which race were you like damn i wish that was on the schedule uh you know i really love tts and i really love the uh to be a part of helping AFT with the, uh, the Daytona super TT. I know it's a love or hate with a lot of people on that, but when we went up on the banking and I say, we, you guys went on the banking, I just thought that added another cool factor to it. So I'm going to be, I'm going to throw out two TTs and it's going to be the Daytona super TT and the Arizona super TT. Uh, just cause I like, I like TTs. I like to see uh, all the versatility come out. Um, I don't necessarily like to watch Jesse Janish or, or Briar win a bunch of them, but, uh, Either, either way, I, I think the TTs are, are some of my favorite for, for action, for sure. Yeah, and in that same breath, it, it'd be cool to go back to uh, the Buffalo Chip and, and Rapid City. Just being being part of, of that whole Rapid City, Sturgis Bike Week, it's it's one of my favorite trips of the year, and I'm, I'm bummed that's not on the schedule. But I've actually, you know, I, I won Atlanta last year. I had a first and a second in Atlanta. I do really well at Williams Grove. You know, there's a couple tracks that I'm, I'm bummed that that I do well at Daytona Short Track. They're not on the schedule, 
But they're bringing back the original Texas Motor Speedway, which I'm pumped on. I didn't like Devil's Bowl. That track sucked, I thought. So I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. Oh uh, yeah, I'm 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 not too upset about uh, Devil's Bowl, and definitely a cool place, with a lot of history. But just that was one of those tracks that you kind of cringe. It is, it's a there's certain car tracks that are just bitching, and there's certain car tracks that you know you're gonna get there's kind of gonna be skittery, shitty, dry slick kinda. And if you water it, it doesn't take much, but too much water. So then you're at some downtime, you know. So I'm uh, I'm 100 with you on that. But you know, I was really bummed because there's a lot of off-season rumblings about uh i say it wrong but hagerstown um and then all of a sudden it wasn't on the list so i'm not sure uh what went on behind the scenes there but um aren't you pretty uh pretty racy at hagerstown right to be honest i don't like hagerstown i uh I it's always like there. too smooth and I'm I'm all right. Like I, I'm not bad, but I I don't love it. I like more abrasive type clay tracks. That one's kind of skittery and slick. And um, I actually was looking forward to it because I think I've adjusted my riding style to uh to do decent there. You know, this year and plus it's a local race for me. It's I don't know an hour from my house. So yeah, anytime I can sleep in my own bed, I was I was stoked on it. But yeah, I've, a lot of race tracks. You know, I wish were on the schedule. But hell, if I picked uh if I could handpick the schedule that probably you know that definitely something that probably won't won't be able to happen but yeah a lot of cool races this year port royal i'm looking forward to that etc but the other fan question that i have and then we'll we'll get rich king on the line is uh somebody asked why there aren't more cushion tracks rob and we have lima back on the schedule we got two miles at okc which i'm pretty pumped on but yeah why it's kind of crazy you look back at races in the 90s and and those guys, they were, you know, racing cushion half miles a lot or cushion miles, San Jose, um, just, yeah, different racetracks. But, what you know, why don't we race more cushions, Rob? What, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I love a cushion track, even though I suck at them. Um, I think from a track prep background, I think that it does take a lot more effort. And I think you'll probably agree with me. And I know Jared Mees will probably agree with me being he pro Lima. But the amount of track prep and water and just – just um oh work that has to be done to put in for a, a good a good cushions track now you know I've, I've promoted greenville for like eight years now and i think it's a great track but even i can't keep up especially with all the riders it's it's very difficult and then you add in a full field of full-on pros and people don't understand how much more abuse the pros give a cushion track than say amateurs and they're all like oh well they're all on 19 inch wheels you know, let's be honest, you know, uh, 18 750s is going to do a lot more damage than 18 450s or 250s or, or whatnot. So um, I think that would probably be my um, that would be my response for that is just maybe it takes a lot more effort to keep them racy and good because we all know that uh, cushions can get dusty just like any track, but it seems to be the cushions get dustier quicker. Um but uh, I know I'm going to take a bit more. Uh, I'm going to take more of a political approach. I think that they um, aren't. We're not going to a lot of cushion tracks because the facilities are really outdated. You know, it's hard to find a find a facility that meets AFT's standards right now. I mean, they're pretty picky. It seems like with uh, the venues, and that can be a double edged sword for sure. But I think that that's probably one of the biggest reasons they they show up to some of these rundown cushion tracks and michael lock just like has a meltdown you know so uh, you know lima's a little outdated and we we go there i think because of the historicness behind the racetrack and, and me running the event but um i'd like to see more cushion tracks so hopefully 
in the future, you know, we, we can make that happen. I like a very diverse schedule and having a true grand national champion that can, that can race all the different racetracks. I think that is, I think that's key, Rob. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and just to touch on that real briefly, the, um, you're exactly right. You're a hundred percent right about the, uh, the facilities and, and, you know, let's not candy coat it. You know, Lima is definitely a beautiful, amazing track, but the facilities themselves are, are not up to standard, but you know, the historical side of things and Jeremy's, you know, probably calling Michael Locke every 30 seconds, bugging him about it. Uh, it probably gets the, gets the job done, but I think it'd be really, really expensive to rent like a, a triple crown type horse track. I mean, there's, there's probably ungodly amounts of, of stuff you have to do if they would even let motorcycles get on a premier horse facility. So there's, there's definitely other factors, but yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, but I was just giving you the track prep side of things, but, uh, we unfortunately lost Charlie Metzger uh, this past year, which is going to be a huge blow to all track prep uh, cushion races around the Ohio area. So um, big rest in peace to him. I know he was a, a staple at a bunch of uh, a bunch of tracks and anybody that raced a cushion has heard the name Charlie Metzger. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. The fans, they just, Oh, why don't you go race here? You know, yeah, well, there's some logistics that need to be thought of, <laughs> you know, we just can't race wherever we want to. So uh, it's, it's not that easy, but no, we, good, some good questions. We appreciate the fans for, uh, for reaching out to us. And if you have any more, just uh, shoot them our way, but that brings us on to our guest. Really excited to have, him on the line, really accomplished racer, really cool dude. Rich King, how are you, man? I'm wonderful. How's it going? Uh, we're we're doing well. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're super busy. You got a lot going on, but what uh what have you been up to? I, I haven't really seen you at the track in a while. I haven't chatted with you, but what's been keeping you busy? Uh, mainly in our spare time now. We got into this uh, the side by side thing, and uh, me and the wife go all over the country doing that, and uh, just uh, relaxing and having fun. Wait, racing the side-by-sides or just out riding them and cruising on them? Just trail riding. Basically, we try to get out to the mountains, you know, a couple times of the year. and uh, We like to go to uh, Moab, Utah and places like that. We're going to go to Hatfield McCoy Trails here in West Virginia at the end of May. and We just like going all over doing that and uh, just kind of uh, a step back and the wife gets to go and see all the scenery. So we have uh, we have a good time doing that now. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> the side by sides are a blast. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know, I've, I've done the trail riding on the motorcycles with my buddies for thirty years, forty years, and uh, now my wife gets to go and understand why she couldn't get a hold of me for weeks on end when I was gone. So, you know, she gets to see all of that, and uh, she kind of understands, and she enjoys it, and I enjoy it. So that's what we've been doing. Have you been riding bikes at all, riding motorcycle, you know, whether it's trail ride and doing any flat track stuff? I know you were doing some some flat track events like the Steve Nace series a few years back. Are you still riding at all? I haven't done any dirt track uh, of late. Um, kind of had a couple wild hairs, thought about building a bike, talked to my old buddy John Kite uh, from Missile Frames down in Des Moines and he mentioned that he still got one frame left if I got any wild hairs, you know, to build something. So I kind of played with that thought a little bit. But um, as of right now, no dirt track, you know, that uh, is close in hand. I still have one bike left. Um, but do a little bit of trail riding now and then. Not much motocross, but uh, 
we got some land here that uh, we got a hair scramble course on a group of guys basically maintain it. So we go out and ride that and camp and do that stuff, but uh, nothing too serious as far as the, the motorcycles are going. So uh, this is Rob, by the way. I don't know if you can tell my voice from Corey's because we sound so much alike. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up real quick because I've seen some of your old bikes that had the missile frames, and not a lot of people hear about them. But what um if if the situation was 100 percent good to go, what do you see yourself putting in a missile frame to go racing as far as a power plant? Uh you know, for me and what I would look at, you know, is something that I would I would race or I, you know, I look at more like the outlaw classes. Uh, the last bike I kind of thought about was uh, I came across a, a 690 Duke KTM and I thought, man, that, that would make a, a pretty neat uh, outlaw open pro type of uh, rig, you know, in a missile frame and and I think it could make some good horsepower. And, and uh, so I kind of played with that idea a little bit, but uh, I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Man, I would, I would love to yeah. see that. I, that would be awesome. Yeah, your bikes are always really cool looking. Uh, your, the, the bikes you brought to the outlaw races and things like that. But I want to talk about your amateur days a little bit because I, I, was, I don't think I was, well, I definitely wasn't born yet, but I was, you know, kind of curious on, how you got started in, in flat track in general? Like we don't know much about it. You know, your amateur days, when did you kind of start taking it more serious and uh, who were some of the guys you uh, went handlebar to handlebar with as you were coming up through the ranks? Well, basically dirt track for us was, uh, was County fairs. You know, we, uh, when I started racing, it was uh, back in the seventies, you know, the early to mid seventies. So we went, uh, there's fair races, you know, little short tracks, quarter miles, you know, two, three, four nights a week during the summer. So, you know, we ran our mini bikes, YZ80s is what we had then when the YZ80s first came out in 74. And, uh, you know, we just run all over Iowa with them. And uh, a few, you know, we, we'd venture out to like Galesburg, Illinois and Pekin and some of those places. But we had so much racing in Iowa at the time. And we had probably... Oh, at least 10 to 15 local kids that were right here in, in my town or my area that uh, were all pretty fast. And we all during the week, you know, Monday through Friday, we didn't have video games. We were out riding dirt bikes at the sand pits or different areas and, and then racing every weekend together. So we pushed each other and, you know, so that's what we did. We, you know, we, none of us really had a lot of money to, uh, to, to have the high dollar stuff but uh, we raced a lot and we rode a lot that's pretty awesome i didn't know um you know not a lot of people i guess i say that we didn't have internet back back then but um yeah we were kind of curious on like who was your your competition when you did show up like at a county fair was was rich king the guy that, to beat or were you kind of the underdog did you um did any like full-on national guys show up because you say it was back in the 70s and that's what we always hear is, is kind of the, the heyday and the glory of the days of racing. But, you know, you're from Iowa and, you know, the only people I know from Iowa is Rich King. So <laughs> who, who would you um, give me a couple of names that we might've heard of maybe that, uh, that you struggled with week in and week out at these fairs? Well, most of the, most of the, uh, 
the local guys here, you'd never really, you know, some of them went uh, novice, some of them went junior, uh, a couple of them made expert, but didn't very go very far. So I would say probably during the amateur days, as far as the dirt track went, I guess I was pretty much the guy to beat. Um, I won a lot of the races, but, uh, you know, every once in a while I would get beat by, you know, one of my buddies and, uh, but there was, there was quite a few of them. Uh, the bigger names here, uh, Johnny Spall was from Cedar Rapids. He was more into the motocross, but he'd do some dirt track and he was always fast. He was a pro motocrosser, national number type deal. Uh, so he was probably one of the bigger names, I guess, maybe the Halsteads, uh, you know, it's Rich and Bobby Halstead, Richie, uh, Halstead was a team green cow motocross rider. So. You know, we'd race uh, the dirt tracks, you know, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and race motocross on Sunday. So um, we just did a lot of riding, a lot of racing. You know, I, I only made a couple amateur nationals uh, as a kid. I went to San Antonio, Texas, uh, which was a major trip for us at the time. There was like five families in a, in a camper that uh, made that long track. And uh, I got second in the in the. 80 class to Billy Lyles. Um, the next time I went was to Kansas to an amateur national and uh, we had nothing but mechanical problems, just stupid stuff all day. So that kind of hurt us. I don't even know where I ended up. I think I made out of the, I think I ran two races and made one main event. So wasn't very good outing, but uh, that's pretty much all my amateur national careers and didn't do anything on 25s, 250s, you know, until I turned novice. Uh, uh, we just didn't go to any nationals. It's crazy how fast the local guys are back in the day. Like I, I grew up in the local ranks with like Brandon Robinson and, and uh, the local kids that would just whoop our asses. Yeah. They just never, never kept racing. I just, I always wonder, you know, how fast those kids could be now or, where they would have gone if they stuck with it. And I'm sure that's the same with every district. There's always that one guy who dominated on mini bikes and then he just like played football or went to college. You know, it's just, uh, it's interesting to hear that the, the local guys that would just beat up on like legends right now and then where they could have went if their career kept going. But with that, you know, I want to talk about your, uh, your Harley Davidson days. That's a lot, you know, that's something that the fans probably want to hear about some insight in, in things. Um, anything you can tell us about how that factory ride came about and, um, what it was like racing for the, for the Harley Davidson team? Well, um, the Harley Davidson factory deal was, uh, you know, obviously a great opportunity, um, how it came about, you know, I, I raced for my, Mike Corbin, Corbin saddles, uh, for two or three years before that kind of doing my own deal. I had a local guy here, Sam Wesley you know at the time was my best friend uh uh just a just a oh just a perfectionist his guy was just really sharp you know what i call a true mechanic he could fix anything and uh you know our corbin racing career was was going great we were running at the front a lot winning races uh we made the move from honda to harley that year um just the Hondas were hard to, uh, hard to get parts, hard to get sponsorships. You know, Corbin was great to me, but any other, you know, as far as dealers was, was nothing. Honda would call me up on Monday and tell me how great it was, you know, that I won the race on, uh, 
Saturday night, but you know, they wouldn't give me a spark plug, you know, uh, we, when we made the move to Harley, you know, the, the local Harley dealership came on board, threw in a bunch of money and gave me a vehicle to drive. Uh, the factory threw some parts at us, you know, the Harley factory. And uh, so we uh, we had a lot better time with the Harley. The fans were, were more supportive and all of that stuff. Uh, so basically, I spent one year on the Harley, and that was 99. And about halfway through the year, I was approached by uh, by Harley Davidson, and uh, we started talking back and forth. And uh, it was actually a tough deal because I really liked where I was at with Corbin and, and the team that I that we had set up. Uh, so '99 was probably my best year racing ever. I had the most fun, worked the hardest, uh, won the most races in that year. Um, so it was really a tough decision. And, and to be honest, you know, the, the Harley thing was, it was the upfront money that, that, you know, uh, was the big reason why I made the move, you know, uh, my mechanic at the time, Sam Wesley was, uh, battling some health issues and, uh, you know, so we really didn't know where that was going to go. And there was a lot of uncertainties there. Uh, Corbin was going to stay behind us and, you know, do whatever he could, you know, the money was good there. Um, so, you know, when it come down to it, I didn't decide on anything until Del Mar at the end of the year, you know, and then I, I, they were calling me and, you know, putting me on the line and finally I said, yeah, let's do it. So that's how that all came about. And, you know, the, the Harley thing is, you know, they run you around, they put you on a podium and that's all kind of cool and that stuff. But, uh, it gets a little trying after a while, you know, I'd show up on the weekends. That's the first time I'd see the bike and, Oh, we changed this. We did that. You know, and it's just like, I was used to riding the same bike weekend and week out. Now all of a sudden every weekend I've got something different, you know, I'm learning a new rope every weekend. So it was a little bit different for me. That's uh, that's pretty awesome though. I can, I can certainly uh, appreciate the, the reasoning behind your decision. I mean, it's always tough to, to leave a, a, a longtime sponsor, so to speak, like, like Pullman, but at the same time, you probably were looking out for your, your future as well. Cause let's be, let's be real. I don't know any rider in, in the past 20, 30 years, maybe with the exception of one that would turn down a, a factory Harley deal just cause you know, it does mean something It carries a lot of weight, good and bad, but I want to switch gears. Same, same, uh, same topic, but uh, I need to know about these these singles. Was um, I've got a long Rotax history, um, and I love Rich King. Hell, I bought some leathers from you. If you remember that, but I need to know, man. What did it? Was it absolutely just? What did it feel like at Volusia that day when when they tore you down? And and I've got a lot of people that want to ask this question. I want to do it respectfully because I know you don't touch the wrenches on the bike, but I know. Uh, I know you were having a good day there, and then all of a sudden it went bad. Do you, uh, you got any comment you might make about that? Um, yeah, I don't. I, you know, I don't have any problem with it. Um, you know, it was like it was devastating. You know, I don't know how else to put it. You know, it uh, at the end of the day, you know, I'm I'm sitting in my vehicle ready to to head out to the motel. You know, and I, you know, Bill Werner comes over and says. Uh, apparently we're illegal <laughs> and I went what I thought he was messing with me you know and uh 
He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, we're oversized. I go, what do you mean? I said, how could that happen? And he was beside himself and, and you know, it, uh, he, he was basically shaking his head. He, he trying to figure out what went on and, and, uh, cause they, at first AMA wouldn't let, uh, our guys measure the motor. They measured it. <clears throat> well, then, uh, when he measured it, he goes, yeah, it's, it's oversized. So, uh, basically what had happened through the team meetings afterwards. Um, you know, I know Bill Werner took a lot of flack for that. Um, although Bill Werner was in charge of the racing department, I, I truly believe Bill Werner did not build that motor. And if you've ever been up to the factory, uh, race department, um, basically how the Rotax stuff worked, you had, uh, combinations that would pretty much in a, Oh, in a cabinet, I guess, you know, there was multiple bores, multiple strokes. Um, so you, I mean, you could easily get a little bit confused. Craig was, uh, was the guy that was building the Rotax motors at the time. And, uh, you know, the slip up was, is that he put the wrong top end on the wrong crankshaft and basically made it work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it it sounds like the thing was way big, but it wasn't way big. You know, I if I remember right, it was like three or five cc's oversized was it. Um, everybody thought you know it was a big deal, but you know it really wasn't. Um, but Craig Craig Lager is the one that built the motor. Um, you know, and and uh, he admitted to building it. Um, he didn't realize he had built it big he put the wrong top end on, on the wrong stroke. And so <clears throat> lo and behold, you know, could have went either way. I could have been running a, you know, a 475, you know, or whatever, you know, instead yep. of a, a 514, you know, but you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, you know, obviously a bunch of head hunters jumped on it and uh, wanted to make a statement out of it. And that's where it all come down. You know, there's riders trying to start a boycott and, didn't want me riding Daytona and, and all of that stuff, you know, and uh, so they had to do what they had to do. Another. So I kind of got screwed over a little bit by the AMA on that deal because we, uh, when we got to Daytona, you know, I said, well, I'm just going to take my beating now. You know, if I'm going to miss some races, Daytona is going to be one of them. And, you know, well, and that's, I mean, yeah. there's a thing that sucks. I'm going to say the thing that sucks a little bit is because generally, you know, and I, I actually, to this day, you know, I, I rub Bill Warner wrong, you know, I mean, it is what it is, but I've always had nothing but respect for you. And for you to come out and talk about it is, is even more respect in my book. Cause I know for a fact that you don't and never did build the motors on those. And, and not that it ever, you just were paid to ride the motorcycle and you did a damn good fucking job of doing it, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of that way, what you just did was more than clear the air on, on probably the 20 or so people that, that, that I know personally that I've always wanted, but you know, and you did a good job of that. And I appreciate you answering that question. I know it's probably, it was really hard for me to even ask that because you're like one of my uh, all time favorites, especially when I was coming up through the ranks, you know, you had no fucking clue who I was, but I was telling Corey earlier, man, there was a, there was a line of Springfield that Rich King was the dude that you didn't mess with. Cause you were going to the front no matter what. So, um, I, I appreciate 
appreciate the uh, the response there, sir. Well, that's the downfall too of uh, being a factory Harley guy is you got that target on your back. If, you know, if a privateer guy was three or four, you know, over, nobody would, you know, nobody would go head hunting. They'd be like, all right, well, whatever. But having that target on your back as a factory rider and being made as an example, um, the highs and lows of, of being in the spotlight, so to speak. But, um, but yeah, as Rob said, you were, you were really, really strong at Springfield mile. Um, you won a lot of races. You, you were second in the points in 2001, what was kind of like your career highlight? You know, was it, was it your first win, um, you know, finishing second in the points, maybe your first Springfield mile win. What was like the, uh, the, like what sits the highest for, uh, for Rich King on his accomplishments? Um, you know, I don't know if it's any one thing really. Um, you know, I would say probably go back to 95 when I was with George Garvis and, uh, and John Kite and those guys. You know, uh, basically what happened with me, why, you know, I was racing on just the local nationals, uh, the Santa Fe's, things like that, short tracks, TT, stuff that I could make to make it to in a day or two. And, you know, we went, we didn't run the whole circuit. We just kind of hit and miss and, and uh, did the bigger pain outlaw race and stuff like that. And then in uh, 94, the place that I'd worked for, closing up and moving so I was basically without a job so George Garvis came to me in 95 or, or 94 actually and said hey he says uh if you would commit you know and train and really get after it and uh go full out for 95 he said I would support you and he goes I guarantee a bike at every national and if you've ever seen uh George Garvis's stuff I mean they're sanitary those bikes are you know, as nice as anything that ever rolled off a showroom floor. So that's what I did. I just busted my ass and, and, uh, had a buddy of mine start training me. That was a fitness guy. And, and, uh, I worked my ass off. And, uh, so the highlight, I guess would be probably 95. You know, I just, uh, uh, really got in shape and, and figured out that being consistent and, uh, being ready every weekend you know before when i showed up at the racetrack on saturday i wanted to win as bad as anybody else but monday through friday i didn't really think about it well then i went to 95 1995 that's all i thought about every day you know i get up at six o'clock in the morning run five miles every morning you know start my training and and uh so, you know, 95 was big for me. I, I come out second to uh, Scotty Parker at the end of 95. And, uh, uh, you know, the thing took off from there. So I guess 95 would probably be my highlight. But uh, as far as the, the best year of racing that I had, the most enjoyable was with the Corbin Racing Team and and uh, Sam Wesley, my tuner. And, uh, you know, that was just... Uh, the most memorable we did a lot of travel and a lot of racing a lot of work and uh those were those were good times that's uh that's that's awesome man i want to i want to switch gears and i do this with every person i've I've interviewed here and uh i gotta know which um well first off was the buell blast a royal piece of shit or was it pretty good because i like to ask each rider like what bike they were like man screw riding this thing and, and joe cop gave us a pretty good one um i'm just curious on you because i know you've ridden a lot of stuff as well and 
and not a lot of people know you did the Buell thing because I know you had a Rotax in the stable too, but wasn't there a year or two where your singles had to be the Buell Blast? You know, they really, uh, there was a time there. It, I wouldn't say that if I would have really thrown a fit that I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have had to ride the Buell. Uh, but my other choice was a Rotax. And at that time, you know, we were making a transition to motocross bikes, you know, the DTX stuff. So a lot of the racetracks that we were going to were, uh, oh, more suited, I guess, for the DTX stuff. You know, the Springfields and TT short tracks were kind of, you know, loose and ruddy and a little rougher, you know, just because of the, the, the multiple DTX bikes. But as far as the blast, uh, the blast was a blast to ride. You know, uh, we had probably by far the, the baddest blast out there. I mean, it those things ran, um, but the power was so usable and they were so rider friendly. It was just uh, they were great. They were a, they were a fun bike to ride. Uh, yeah, I agree, Rich. I had a blast too. Um, I had a couple of them. They probably weren't, I don't, I don't know what yours were, but we had one that was a 505, one that was like a 585. And Rob, no joke, that was like the best handling twin or a sing, or I'm sorry, framer that I've ever ridden. That blast was so easy to ride. It was heavy. I was like really small, but dude, they handled so good. And I actually still have my blast uh, that my dad built me and I'll never sell it. I've, I get offers once or twice a year to buy it. And, uh, they, they weren't bad. They, mine broke a lot. <laughs> mine blew, mine grenaded. And when it blew up, it fucking blew up. Like there was parts laying on the racetrack. <laughs> they, uh, they were really good until they were, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I liked, I, I liked seeing you had a couple of good wins on that thing. Right. I mean, I, I you didn't never want, I don't know if you won a national, but didn't you win a big race up in Milwaukee and you guys were pretty good. On yeah. I won, uh, I won a short track. I won a, quite a few short tracks with it actually. Uh, out to Del Mar, you know, that, that big deal with the, I think Nikki Hayden and Poovy were right there at the end, you know, within inches for the win, you know, we were third in that deal. We weren't, you know, we were a couple bike lengths back, but you know, we were right there. I won the, uh, oh, the, the deal, uh, uh, Plymouth, Wisconsin. I won that thing with the blast. I got Poovy about five laps from the end of that, um, that win and uh you know we were the big heartbreaker was the harley 100th anniversary up to hell's corners in, in wisconsin you know there was a short track national there that they had put on and uh i remember me and johnny murphy and uh chris carr and a couple other guys were really going at it there in the main event there was a high line the low line and and you probably could guess that i was on the low line and uh, I was, uh, I got to the front. And, I mean, we were, I took the white flag going onto the back stretch, and I had about three, four bike lengths, I think it was, on, on uh, Johnny Murphy, if I remember right. And the dang died. <laughs> it just made a clunk and quit and uh, ended up the end of the crankshaft, oh, broke off with the ignition on it. And, uh, so it was, uh, it was all done, but I coasted around and got seventh, you know, but, uh, that would have been huge because all the Harley brass is there and, and, uh, to win on the blast would have been, you know, I would have been Superman at Harley, but, uh, it, it wasn't to happen. So, you know, that was a little bit of a tough one, but, uh, I, I liked riding the blast and, uh, 
you know, the people at Harley were really pumped on, on, you know, running something that, that they made versus a row tax that they didn't make, you know, and, uh, they actually looked at one time of buying out Cannondale and, uh, taking over that deal, you know, which would have gave me a DTX bike, which I wish would have happened, but, uh, but that didn't happen. So, you know, as the tracks got rougher, like the Peorias and stuff, they started digging up the corners and stuff for the motocross bikes and the Rotax and the blast. They were just, they were just trying to kill me then. But, uh, so that was kind of the end of, into that stuff. So. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you also, uh, I think it's really cool. You know, your son, Aaron, he raced a really, really fast amateur rider turned pro had some really good pro races, earned his national number. And I, I thought it was really cool. Like my dad raced obviously, but I never got the race at the professional level with him. I thought it was, you know, really, really cool that you two were able to, I think you both were in a couple main events together, but I know for sure you guys were able to line up together in a main event and uh, to have a father and son on the same starting line. I don't know if that's ever happened prior to that. Um, maybe you can talk about that a little bit. What track was that? And, um, and how cool was that to do with your son? Aaron? Well, actually that happened quite a few times. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's outstanding. I mean, that's, you know, to me, that was a really a big deal. You know, racing has been my life, you know, my whole life for obviously a long time. And, you know, uh, Aaron, that's pretty much what he was doing all the time was riding and racing. And so and we always went back and forth, you know, and we rode together all the time. So, you know, that was a great period of our, of our lives. And, uh, you know, like you said, I don't know if it's ever happened before or since. I, not that I know of that a father son of set on a, you know, or set in the main event together. But I think the first time it happened was Peoria. Uh, but I know it's happened at Springfield. Uh, but it, it's happened at least a half a dozen times or more uh, to where we were, you know, both in the main event together. So. That's uh, that's actually really really cool. I didn't know it was six times. I I, I was trying to count off my head, and I got it to about three. But uh, obviously, you you know way more than me about that. The um, I got just a, a final final insight from uh, from you. I'd like to get as uh, how do you now that you've been on you've been Honda, you've been obviously factory Harley. You weren't you haven't been around really for the Indian, but what is your take on the whole Indian thing? I mean, are you for the Indians? Are you against the Indians? Do you, uh, do you like where the sport's headed? I mean, I don't want you to get, you know, your head chewed off by any of your, your friends and family that might, might hear this, but I'd like to see and hear your personal opinion on, on the state of things right now. Well, you know, the state of things I'm not real happy about. Um, as far as Indian, what Indian did is what Honda basically did, you know, years ago with uh, when Mike Kidd and Hank Scott and those guys first, you know, brought on the RS-750. You know, Honda took a couple shots at a, at a V-twin, but then they got it right with the RS. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden they started to dominate, you know. Uh, there was more Hondas in the main event than Harleys, you know, and the Honda was a very good power plant and, uh, you know, and the AMA took actions to, to back them down, to keep them competitive with the Harley. Um, not saying it was a bad move, but, 
you know, Indian did the same thing. They, you know, they got in the dirt track, they built, they did their homework. They, they built an awesome motorcycle. Um, and now they're dominating, but that could have happened back years ago with the Honda. So, uh, I like the Indian. I like what Indian did. Uh, you know, and now it's, it's time for Harley to step up and, and, to do the, do the same thing. You know, if they want to be competitive, they got to go chase the Indians, you know? So, uh, the bad thing about it is, uh, it's a money game right now. You know, when you look at, uh, the guys out there, they're, they're great riders. Don't get me wrong. There's some very talented people. Uh, but I really don't like, um, the main events being set up before you ever get to the racetrack. Uh, you know, it, it, when I look at my career uh, and I could go down the line with a number of careers, but uh, you know, a rich King right now wouldn't even get a chance to play in the game, you know? Uh, so the whole format, the whole setup now is to me is, is not good. Uh, but as far as what Indian has done, I mean, Indian set the bar high. So, you know, Harley's got to come in and, and, and do something about it. You know, uh, I like the, I like the singles class. To me, that's where all the racing's at right now. Um, I like the production twins class. I like it better than the super twins. So uh, the bad thing is I'd be pretty upset if I would have bought two or three Indians at $50,000 a piece. And now in a year that I can't use them, <laughs> you know, I'd be a little upset about that, but uh, you know, it, it's basically, and in in not to take it, take this the wrong way, but uh, it's pretty much become down to, it's come down to a rich daddy's game. And, the, and the, when I say that, it's like, you know, if you don't have a half a million dollars right now, you're not going to be competitive. I mean, uh, you're just, you're, you're going to have to, you're just, you're just not going to make it. I mean, you got to, it, it's bad when racing comes down to what rig you drive, you know, you can't pull in in a van with, with one motorcycle in it and unload it and get on the racetrack. They won't even let you in the pit, <laughs> you know? So that, to me, that's, I know we're trying to make this, you know, we're trying to make it NASCAR as far as that goes with the big haulers and stuff. But like I said, to, to get into it right now, I mean, where are you going to go to get a sponsor for $500,000, especially in this climate? Yeah, you, it, it's not going to happen. No, you definitely got to put in the work. You know I mean? I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. I mean, I don't agree with everything, but that's the cool thing about it. We're both entitled to our own opinions. Um, I certainly respect your insight on this. I have one follow-up and then I'm going to let Corey finish you out here, but I'm curious on, on your opinion, because I'm glad to hear that you follow the series um, just from your knowledge alone on this past subject tells me you keep up with it, which is freaking sweet. You know, you're one of our, our golden guys, in my opinion, but uh, who, give me three riders right now that, uh, that you did not race against. I know you've raced against Smith and me and some of the other guys, but Who's three guys right now that impressed the living shit out of you? And you're like, man, I'm glad I didn't have to race against those guys when I was out there. Or is there any? Are you like, man, I don't care. They're just another guy I'm going to beat. I don't know if there's only three. You know, every weekend when I watch it or I see it, 
you know, somebody else jumps out at me, you know, there's, I see, I, I tend to look at a lot of guys that, that maybe didn't get that, the opening that they deserve. They're kind of an all also ran, but all of a sudden they were up to the front. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's some good talent there. Um, but I think we're missing a lot of good talent, uh, just because of dollars and cents. Um, you know, as far as super twins goes, you know, I, I really like Vanderkoy. Um, I think he's the, he's kind of a steady Eddie. And, uh, I think it'll be interesting this year to see what, uh, see what he can come up with. I've raced against him. Uh, I think he's a pretty smooth rider. Um, you know, uh, Dalton is another one that, uh, you know, it's, I think it's only, I think he, he's going to come around and be, you know, he'll be the next big thing, I think, eventually. Um, but that'll come down again to dollars and cents, you know, if he can get the money behind him and, and keep him, uh, keep him on top equipment, keep, keep him at the front, you know, he's going to, he's just going to get better and better and better. Um, so I, I would say probably those two, but you got the Davis Fishers, um, you know, that, that kid's, you know, obviously coming from a career as far as the single riders, you know, I like, I'd like to see Cody cop step up there and, and do some damage. You know, I think that kid, he's got a good head on his shoulders. You know, he's got a good teacher with his dad, you know, a good family background. I think uh, he's got some support behind him. I think that kid will go fast, but you know, not to, uh, not to knock anybody out. I think there's a lot of talent. It's just going to be timing and uh, dollars and cents. Yeah, no, I would agree with you, Rich. I think, um, you know, being a good rider, you're not going to make it anymore. Like you could, you could 15, 20 years ago, like you could be a good rider and get a, get on a team that was good enough to win races. And now you got to be a, 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 a great rider to be on those top teams. Like you got to be the top guy coming up through the ranks, top singles rider to even get considered because there's a lot of guys. I, I agree with you in the super twins that um they're they're only there because of you know other reasons they're not there just based on pure talent so that that's kind of a tough one for me because i think there's talent in the other classes that should be at the top level but it's also cool that you know you have three classes with really good riders you know it's hard to really consider them support classes anymore so that that racing you know you have the henry wiles is up against the dallas daniels you have you know, the young kids and the production twins up against, you know, guys like me that have been doing it for a long time. So yeah, there's definitely some things I don't like. I'm with you. I'm a, I grew up in the camel pro days and, and when, when things were, were a little bit different, but I try and stay open-minded cause I got to go out and race no matter what and uh, get, got a job to do, but yeah, it was fun, man. I, I, I got, like I said, I think before you came on the show, I got to race with you I think when was your last year, 2007? Cause that was my rookie year. And I kind of remember dicing it up with you at like Springfield short track and a couple other races, but when was your, when was your final year? Uh, 2008. Yeah. I, okay. I, uh, after yeah. I left the factory team, um, I went back and rode for Corbin and, and, uh, Stolzenberg F and S and me and Aaron was on the same team. Uh, I tore my leg up in the off season and that kind of dampered that whole thing. And, and, uh, I didn't get to train much or do anything. Uh, but, uh, um, 
you know, so that was, that was kind of it, you know, and the leg never really come around. I never let it heal. Right. So, uh, you know, I kind of battled that for a few years and that kind of pushed me over the edge into retirement. I had a lot of sponsors that was, you know, that was going to step up and do this and do that. And, and then at the last minute, they all kind of fell to the wayside, you know? So, um, but, uh, and at that point it was just kind of like, you know, I need to move on, you know, focus more on what Aaron was going to do and, and go that route than what, you know, to be an also ran after you run at the front and be a factory rider, you know, and then just show up and just make main events. It just didn't, didn't seem too appealing anymore. So. Right. Right. No, I, I, we appreciate you coming on the show. I know you got a lot going on. We got one more quick segment we do. It's called the higher low line. It's kind of funny because we've had George Roder on, we've had Rusty Rogers on the show and they're high line guys. And, but, but you made, you made the low line work really, really well. You mentioned it. Uh, I'm more of a lowish line kind of guy. I, I like to putt around the bottom. I've been made fun of for using the quote unquote rich king line, <laughs> but I'm I'm proud of my ability to uh, to float around the bottom and make it work. But yeah, I just um, I wanted to throw 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 that out there before we get into it. But basically, this or that, pick one or the other, and give us a brief explanation on why you might pick that. But uh, my first one I have is Springfield Mile. Do you enjoy running the low line around the guardrail or the high line higher up on the racetrack? Springfield, it don't really matter to me where we run at. Uh, when you say the high line at Springfield, it's not, it's maybe a third of the way up the racetrack anyway. Um, you know, I, when I look at it, it's, it's kind of like uh, I'll run wherever you need to run at Springfield. You know, one, one thing at Springfield, the corners are so big and, and, I want to, I want, well, again, don't take it the wrong way, but the corners are relatively easy at Springfield. Everybody can go fast through the corners at, at Springfield. So the racers are going to be won or lost on the straightaway. And it all comes down to drafting. So you can run it in there and burn your tire up and smoke it around the corner all day long. There's a lot of guys that can run wide open at Springfield, but I can tell you 25 laps wide open at Springfield is going is not going to win the race. You know the guy that that's ready in the five in the last five laps and that can pick the pace up and have the tire that's still fresh and didn't boil it over. That's the guy that's going to win. You know he's going to be the front runner. So I'll run wherever you got to run at Springfield. Uh, you know, but when you you look at the high and low line, it's kind of like it's just like the golfing term. You know, you you drive for show and you putt for dough. And it's the same thing on, on dirt track racing. You can go up there and be high, wide, and handsome and look all impressive, but you want to win, win races, you better learn how to ride that low line. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, I agree, although I was never fast at Springfield like you two. But um, my, my high-low is, uh, is Rich King on his best day, whether it's 1995 or, or 2021, you got to beat an Indian, but you got your pick of the absolute best bike is he going with a factory Harley Davidson? Are we going to go with the Corbin Honda? What's uh, what what tool are you going to use to to put it on Mies and Bauman? Well, I think if you gave me Bubba Schobert's RS750 uh, on the factory, you know, when Skip Bacon and them guys were on the team, and give me about two weeks to prepare, even though I'm getting up in age, I'd wax Mies's ass. When, when are we scheduling this? I'm ready right now. <laughs> the, I love it. Our, our sponsorship yeah. dollars just went up huge on the show here. <laughs> I just air punched so hard. That you was know, amazing. You know, 
I, I can tell you one thing. Me's better buy some tear-offs because he's going to need them. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody talking shit about Mies is a friend of mine. It. I love it. <laughs> uh, next one I got for you. Who was a tougher competitor, Chris Carr or Scott Parker? Wow. You know, I, I made this comment, you know, a lot back back in the day when, when we were all running together. You know, uh, when Scott Parker was on on that day, he was in the main event. Uh, when Scott Parker wasn't on, but the bike was good, he was in the main event. And when they were both on, he was winning. So uh, you never counted him out. Um, but, you know, Chris Carr was, you know, we, I always kind of looked at him as like a pit bull, you know. He just he's just gonna keep coming. He's always gonna be, you know, right down to the last second, the last lap. He's not he's gonna do whatever it takes, you know. And uh those guys were great to race with. You know, back in those days, there just there wasn't a lot of slamming and banging, you know. You raced with the guy week in and week out. I didn't want to knock Parker down or Carr down or, or any of the top guys down, you know, because I wanted to beat him. You know, I didn't want to take him out. I just wanted to beat him. So we didn't have a lot of, you know, like you see now where you guys, you know, guys go in and clean somebody out and this and that, you know, that kind of came along with the, the, the younger crowd, I guess, you know, towards the end of my career. But uh, <clears throat> both of those guys, I mean, uh, Chris Carr was the better all around rider. Um, you know, I think if we would have had, you know, the perfect national championship would be, the same amount of venues you know if you had five short tracks you'd have five tts you'd have five half miles and five miles you know so you would you, you know you would have the same amount of every one and i think chris carr would have probably won more championships then but uh uh you know it's something you'll never know but uh scott parker could win at anything i mean he could uh he went fast at peoria obviously chris carr dominated peoria but uh he was the only one that was beating Scott Parker on a regular basis there. But uh, Scott Parker could win anywhere at any time. So, and he was really strong on miles. Fair enough. Fair enough. I've got one last one. Rich, and I'm going uh, to leave, leave you alone. Quit picking on you, but I'm actually going to start a new segment just for, for Robbie Bobby's segment. And since you're not such a nice guy, you get to be the first one, but the segment's going to be called, man, fuck that guy. What guy in the pits, at the races, would you not even loan a zip tie to? Like, he showed up to the races. I don't care if he was a, a, a overly rough rider or he's just an asshole, but there's got to be one guy, at least, that you're like, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> just one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, top, the top of the hill. You know, I, I had different outings with different people. Um, you know, me and Slammy Sammy, went, we, we went at it a couple of times, and uh, me and Henry Wiles went at it. I don't talk to Henry a lot. Uh, don't care if I talk to Henry a lot. Um, but I respect him as a rider, and I think as he got a little older, I, I can put up with him a little bit more. Um, but, uh, you know, when we were racing, I mean, um, pretty arrogant pretty cocky and when you know the thing that really drove me nuts is when he got on the microphone and bragged about how good he was and didn't say two cents about the team that got him there but um you know so uh 
one time at Springfield TT, we got into a, a discussion, a little bit of a, a heated deal. And uh, he come in, and we, it was just a practice day, press day. And uh, he got into me in practice in the right-hand corner, you know. And I was on the Buell Blast, actually. And he slammed me going in the right-hand corner, about pulled me down. And I just so happened to catch him about a lap later in the tight left coming onto the short track, and I just cleaned him out. And when you got hit by the blast, you know you got hit. <laughs> and he got up and he went right to the Harley truck, you know, to Werner and Craig and them guys and screaming and yelling at them, they need to fire me. I took him out and I come off the track and he says, he's yelling at me. He says, you took me out on purpose. I said, yeah, I did. <laughs> but, you know, I respect him as a rider. Obviously, he's, he's faster than shit especially you know peoria and springfield and, but uh 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 and i'm and, and i'm one guy I, i'm glad to see him running the singles you know I'd, I'd rather see him run the singles than quit uh i don't have any problem with a 40 year old guy running the singles class you know uh no i'm i'm in agreement there i i, I love it and I'm, I'm super happy that i get to put a mark on my page here the uh the first first inaugural man fuck that guy henry wiles has one point <laughs> <laughs> he'd have a few more points probably yeah, oh yeah, so, we're gonna, yeah we're, that's that's well me and me and sammy almost went to fisticuffs at the at the uh uh the tech line at the springfield mile one day so <laughs> <laughs> you know so, not sammy <laughs> come well, on. you know it's funny because sammy's one of the guys that that from a personal standpoint, I've worked with him for years. He's like my little brother, but it's crazy to hear now, like 10 years later, nobody he's, he's changed so much. I don't know if he's just realized that crashing hurts or getting beat up hurts or what, I don't know, but you know, he's really calmed it down from what a lot of people say, but boy, I remember I was at Las Vegas race one day and, and he's getting chased around. He's holding a steel shoe trying to hold people off of him or, or back people up. So yeah, Sammy, we'll give him an honorable mention on that just because it's you rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's an also ran. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rich, again, we appreciate you coming on the show. It was really good chatting with you. I, I miss seeing you at the track and miss racing with you. I got the ride with you at Volusia a few years ago and it was a lot of fun. You beat me. I was a little bummed I got second, but yeah, you you're a really crafty rider and I, I enjoy watching your race over the years and and uh, yeah, thanks again. Come I was on. I was kind of hoping you'd bring up that Volusia deal. You know, that was uh, <laughs> speaking of speaking of highlights at, in uh, the after years of my Grand National race, and that was kind of a highlight because I beat uh, Corey Texter at uh, Volusia. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just that's what I said before you came on the show, man. I, I go I go pretty well at Volusia, and you took it to me. It was just outsmarted me man you're just a really crafty rider and i take a lot of pride in my racecraft. like i don't have the most natural talent and uh, i see that a lot in you you're like you're just a really crafty uh eraser like you know how to win races and that was a a pure testament of it if i had that on video i'd probably i probably would have watched it a dozen times because it was just like i wasn't even mad you beat me i was just like man that was awesome he took it to me so it was really cool i think if i remember right i got the whole shot I'm, I'm, I must oh, just yeah. be a little yep. quicker than you are. <laughs> yeah, you whole shot at me, man. I, I take a, I take pride in my starts too. So you were always good on your starts. Yeah, you're, 
you're crafty, man. I, I, again, it was fun watching you race over the years and I was a Harley kid growing up. So I, I had a bunch of rich King posters in my, uh, in my house and, uh, hopefully we catch up with you here soon, man. We'll, uh, we'll definitely give you a, give you a ring. In yeah. The we're going to trade Corey a few races this year. So it, uh, hopefully I can meet up with you guys and, and, uh, see you around the pits a little bit. For sure. I, I love it. And Corey, yeah, Rob. You, know, you got your, uh, you got your rich King posters, but I'll just let you know, I've got a set of rich King Corbin leathers and a set of rich King factory, Harley screaming Eagle leathers. And then bad boys get some serious attention around my dealership. So thank you for that, Rich. That's awesome. Thanks a lot. Yeah. See you, bud. All right, Rich. We'll catch up with you soon, man. Tell the family we said hi. Tell Aaron. I haven't seen Aaron in a while. I, I miss racing with him, too. And, uh, yeah, tell them uh, we all said hi. All thanks right. for coming. Thanks a lot, guys. See ya. Yep. Bye. See you, Rich. Rich King, man, what a great interview. That guy's awesome. I, I would love to get him involved in the sports still, Rob, and just get him at the racetrack. He's got a lot of race knowledge. Man, he yeah, he's he's just a, another one of those just good guys. But uh, but I was I was really excited because I told you before, even through text, I'm like, man, I really want to ask because I know there's so many people that want to know, and just the 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 professionalism of his answer with the. Uh, you know, nobody likes to get caught, quote unquote, cheating, but, you know, he knows, we all know he didn't build the motors, but there's so many people out there. And he did get an unfair rap because not a lot of people realize from a factory standpoint, that rider doesn't do anything they get paid to show up and race. So um, I was personally, uh, personally excited that uh, nervously I asked him, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, he handled it a thousand times better than most other people would have. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people like to give Bill Warner crap <clears throat> about the cheating and big board bill and, and things like that. And, you know, I personally, um, I'm not a Bill Bill Warner fan. I think everybody that listens to the podcast knows and I don't like him because he's an asshole. I don't this I don't I don't not like him because I think he cheats. I think Bill raced fair for the most point most part. I don't know of anything otherwise, but um I think he's a, you know, a legendary mechanic, really, really, you know, just so many accomplishments. He's worked with some really good riders. Um, I just think he's an asshole, but, um, but no, it's good to get some insight from, from people that have worked with him and, and, and things like that. Uh, respect, respect for bill, but yeah, I don't want to have a beer with him. That's for sure. And I, you're probably the same way. I don't think me, you and Werner, we're, we're not walking into a bar together anytime soon. No, no, I did. I will say this, man, you know, to give bill credit, you know, he, he's always fired back at me. Cause you know, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of abrasive and stuff and, and I'll give him credit. You know, he doesn't cower down and, and he actually sold me a frame uh, several years back and I appreciate him for that. And, I definitely respect his mechanical abilities, but uh, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but let's be honest, you know, he's probably forgotten more than I'll ever learn about building motors. And, and uh, if I could be half the mechanic he is one day, I'll be yeah, a happy dude, but that doesn't mean I agree with his personality. Well, it's, it's good, man. That's what this podcast is for. No bullshit. Like not yep. everybody gets along. I was just telling somebody the other day, it's so hard for me to, to get along with the guys I race with. Like I'm, I'm better friends with, people in different classes, you know, people that don't know anything about racing because it's hard for me to be friends. You know, flat track is kind of unique that all the top guys hang out, they have dinner together. They, they, you know, I, I don't like it. Honestly, I think, you know, when you're competing at that high of a level, like you don't want to kill each other. Like you want to be cordial, but I don't want to go have a beer every night with the guys. I'm, you know, they're trying to take what I work for every single day. And, and that's kind of, you see that in sports in general, like you, it's just hard to be, to be friends with, um, with somebody that, you know, pa as passionate about what you do every single day as you are. So no, it's good, man. We, I like to hear uh, what, what Rich said about Wiles and Sammy <laughs> and 
that's the side of, uh, of racing. The fans need to know is like, we all don't like each other and that's fine. Um, Henry chirped at me last year over something and I, I hammered him back. So it, that stuff's good, man. But I respect Henry too. Like he's a really, really good rider, but, um, you know, it's just, it's good to have some personality and, and, uh, give the fans something to a uh, screenshot and send each other in group chats. But, um, yeah, I just real quick, Rob, I want to thank our sponsors. They, they make it happen every show without them. This wouldn't be possible. Bell power sports, check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. I personally wear the race star flex. I got a really badass new helmet dropping this year at Volusia tagger designs painted it. I'm stoked on it. The quality and safety of the helmets are unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by bell moto America, check them out. MotoAmerica.com. Their schedule is up. The first race is at road Atlanta. Not too, not too far from now. Make sure you go on, get tickets, check out their moto America live plus package and hit them up on social media. The racing is spectacular. And we're really excited to be partnered with Moto America. I follow this series all the time. Rob is actually a Moto America race winner. So uh, our co-host is, uh, is a former winner. So uh, we'd love to see it. And, and uh, yeah, so Moto America, JE Pistons, um, check them out at JE Pistons. They're the leading piston manufacturer in motorsports, power sports, sport compact, racing, et cetera. JE Pistons, uh, the, the product speaks for itself many, many championships across all forms of racing. And then big shout out to Jerry Stinchfield roof systems of Dallas, Texas. He just dropped his release last week, um, getting support from mission foods for his uh, race team. So that's amazing and very well-deserved Jerry. Uh, Jerry is AFT. I feel like he does so much for so many riders behind the scenes. He helps out a ton of riders that people don't even hear about. He's a really good guy. And, uh, yeah, if you need an uh, industrial roof, Make sure you hit him up, commercialroofsystems.net. Uh, that's all I got, Rob. Anything else before we uh, take on out of here? I'm, I'm in Florida. The season's starting. Like, I feel like it's starting next week. Savannah's next Friday. So it, it's it's here. It, it happened quick. I'm excited. Um, but anything you want to chat about before we go? No, man, I'm super excited to see you in Savannah, buddy, because I know uh, you and I have had some good history together, uh, even though I don't. I'm not good enough to turn your wrenches anymore. <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited to see uh, see you at Savannah and Volusia. You know, I knew uh, – you go really well there. Um, big shout out to those guys because they're gonna they're gonna put on a hell of a race, and I'm excited to be timing and scoring. But most importantly, I'm pretty excited about our new segment, and I hope you let me keep doing it because uh, I think that uh, man, fuck that guy, it's got some some legs to it to take off. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. Up. It fits the show well. <laughs> well, again, thank the fans for uh, for following and subscribing. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. Please leave us a review, whether it's good, shitty, etc. We want to hear it. iTunes, Facebook. The reviews definitely help quite a bit. And uh, that's a wrap. Let's put a bow tie on it. Rob, we'll catch you next show. And all the fans, thank you. Yep. Thanks, guys. Everybody, be safe out there, and we'll see a lot of you in Bike Week. Right on. That was an awesome interview with Rich King. Appreciate my man, Robbie Bobby, coming on to co-host it. As always, dude, just crushing it. I appreciate him coming on with the insight. Super entertaining guy, Robbie is. Man, uh, uh, I'm sure you're, you've uh, probably argued with him once or twice on Facebook. Uh, the, the chances are pretty high that's, that's actually happened. But getting on to our next segment, as always, getting Jalen Norris on the line. We are going to do overrated, underrated. Um, appreciate Jalen helping me out. If you guys have any overrated, underrated, send them Jalen's way. Jalen Norris, send them to her and Jalen Norris on the line, overrated, underrated. What's going on? How are you? 
Great. How are you? I can't complain. It's still really nice in Florida. The season is two weeks away and no complaints on my end. How's, uh, how's the mitten right now? It, it got warmer. The snow's going away a little bit. That's good. I mean, I feel like in Michigan, either you want it really, really cold so you can ice ride or the riders can ice ride, or you want it like in the 60s. Like the in-between stuff is not really that awesome. Yeah. It, it's like mud right now. It's just everything's mud and everything's gross. And you can wash your car like every other day and it's still covered and it's just gross. Yeah. Sounds, uh, sounds super depressing, but anyway, let's, uh, get on to the next segment of overrated underrated. Uh, whenever you're ready, send, send me the first one. First one is chocolate chip waffles. Ooh, how did, man, I just had one yesterday. That's so weird. I have, (laughs) I have like a chocolate chip waffle, maybe like once every four months. And I had one yesterday. So, um, it depends. It depends. I mean, what, what kind of waffles are we talking? I mean, I don't know. What are your favorites? I like the like homemade ones when you can make them a little bit crispy on the outside. Yeah, definitely not Waffle House. Like that shit's nasty. No, 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 no. But like, I don't go to Waffle House. Yeah, the good like like I went to a local cafe and they had like some really good chocolate chips. The waffle was super good and and real maple, real maple syrup. Um, I'm gonna say eh, properly rated. Like I'm more of a pancake guy, but. You throw a waffle in front of me. I'll, mm, I'll eat. I like I like waffles way better than pancakes. I don't know. It's the same batter, but it's so much better. Yeah, eh, team pancake over here. <laughs> All right, the next one is Daytona Short Track. Oh man, that's a good one. I'm gonna say underrated. I really like Daytona Short Track. I think it's almost iconic at this point. Whether or not it was at the Memorial Stadium back in the day. Municipal Stadium, where I had my first pro race back in 2007, or Daytona Flat Track, aka Short Track, right now outside the Speedway. I think Daytona is known for having a short track. And then they went to the TT thing, and now we have Volusia. So I think it's underrated. I think it's cool. I think the um, like the grandstands and and that part of it sucks. Like it's not very good for spectators to watch. Yeah. But has like kicking off the season with a short track that's just like what we've always done I feel like and even back in the day I'm pretty sure they kicked off with like the Astrodome short track so I'm gonna say underrated I I wish that was that was on the schedule I used to suck there to be honest and I I won it last year so I was a little bummed that that wasn't on the schedule so I'm gonna say underrated I used to like how it was so cool that like both days would be totally different like you had no idea who was going to win both days and it was pretty sweet that way yeah, it's a crapshoot, Daytona. That's why it's good for the fans, too, because you could win one yeah, night that's, and yeah. the next night not even make the final. So, exactly. uh, so I was pretty happy to walk out of there with a with a second and a first last year. If you can be consistent both days, it's always a bonus. So, yeah, underrated. Mm-hmm. Next one, true crime shows. <sighs> Overrated. I think, like, some of the crime shows I watch, they're cringy. It's like um yeah i don't i'm not a big tv guy so if i'm watching tv it's going to be like something something netflixy or documentary things like that i'm not a big crime show guy maybe because i'm a softy like i'd rather just watch a disney movie than a than a crime show but why are you a crime show you you gotta have good balance i do i do like well a couple like i like bones and criminal minds those are good ones yeah yeah i'm just like I don't know. I don't like seeing people like get shot, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Overrated. 
All right. Jay Springsteen. Oh man. He's underrated. I think as a rider, mm-hmm. but more so as a, like an individual. Um, I mean, <laughs> everybody likes Springer. Nobody dislikes Jay Springsteen, but like the stuff he could do. I mean, he was so, so good over the course of his entire career, but what he did when he came onto the scene, like winning championships right away at 18 years old, um, you know, and he had a lot of illnesses with his stomach and things like that over the years and just a lot of things he had to deal with, but he, he, I think he's the goat as far as flat track rider personality. If you're going to do a Mount Rushmore of flat track, just flat track, <laughs> let it be very broad. Springer is like the first choice. I, I don't know. He's, he's a Michigan guy. What do you think? He is. Well, my best friend married his nephew. So, I mean, yeah. They're pretty cool. Spring teams are all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in Michigan, everybody is like, it's like a little click, man. You guys are all posseed up. So I'm, I'm sure Springer Kinda. Like, Springer probably doesn't have to buy a beer in Michigan. That's for sure. He just roll in. So. I would assume probably not. Yeah. I'm going to guess that's a no. Yeah. Springer's awesome. <laughs> underrated. Yeah. All right. This is going to be, you're going to go on for a while about this one. Land sharks. <laughs> How can you even ask that? That's, that's my, that's my water. That's underrated. I, I love, I know. I love land shark. I, I think it's great. It's the only beer I can drink and I just don't even realize it's alcohol. I just drink it like it's water. Like I would I'd probably be frowned upon, but I would put it in my water bottle if I went like on bicycle rides, <laughs> if it wasn't so frowned upon, I would just drink it all the time. I love it. So, um, I tried to get sponsored by them and it just fucking didn't happen. It just, it, they, they teased me. They responded. They say, they said, send me your ID. You know, we'd like to get, get some product your way. And then it just like fell through the cracks. And then they like, they deleted their Instagram. Um, what? Yeah, I swear. If you That's look up, really weird. If you look up Landshark, their Instagram's gone, but it was super legit. It was like, it was like verified or whatever and every, you know, and uh, it fell through huh. the cracks. So they, kind of teased me a bit on the sponsorship, but I fucking love land shark. I have fans that just bought, they'll just send me, um, like when they come to the track, they'll have a case of, they'll come up with a case of land shark. I'm like, what are you kidding me? So that's some cool fans right there. Oh dude. It's I, at least twice a year. That's I have, cool. I have fans that give me like a sixer of shark or, or, a, or a 12 pack of sharks. So, um, fans, if, you, if you're listening a little, you know, if you want to, you know, toss me some sharks, I ain't going to be mad about it. So underrated all right next one is cobra kai underrated love it i like i said i'm a netflix guy i like uh all american cobra kai stranger things outer banks uh the umbrella academy i just got into i I like that but cobra kai is probably my favorite i uh i probably watched every season three times so far i i really like it i'm nostalgic i like karate kid i like you know 80s 90s movies things like that and i think cobra kai it's super it's super corny but uh like i'm like a ninja kid like when i was younger i was a ninja for halloween like eight years in a row i was just <laughs> i'll be a ninja every year so i think it's and then cobra kai is cool because it's the same actors and actresses from the movies like 30 40 years ago yeah they do a really good job of like incorporating that but then like showing new people that don't really know anything like my younger sister she doesn't really know much about karate kid like the original one but like it shows enough so you understand like 
Yeah. The backstory kind of. You don't have to have watched Karate Kid to like Cobra Kai, but it helps a mm-hmm. little bit, you know? So yeah, it's, uh, um, it just makes it a little cooler. Like, yeah. It's funny. I told my mom, I like Cobra Kai and I guess like they're, they're like, there's a new season coming out, like probably in months away or whatever. My mom, she'll like, she'll like send me something on Facebook. Like, did you see the new, uh, the new stuff on Cobra Kai? I'm like, mom, chill. Like you got nine months. Like I get it. But yeah, underrated. All right. Airbag suits. Under fucking rated. Super underrated. I mm-hmm. am, a, am a huge believer in airbag suits. I think it's the uh, greatest thing to happen in flat track in a long, long time. You know, I, I think everybody should have one. Um, people like to complain about the price of it. It's like, it's like, man, it's your, but it's, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's your health. Um, it like, if you're going to, sp- I would spend 20 grand on one. If I had to, it, I, I won't race with that one moving forward. Uh, I think, I think they're great. You know, kudos to Alpine stars, tech air for coming up with what they have, you know, and then NJK is making yeah. leathers for people and they incorporate the Alpine stars tech air. And, you know, for those that don't know, when you're in a crash, the algorithm of the suit, it knows when you're crashing and the suit inflates as an airbag, uh, MotoGP guys use it. It was mandatory last year in Super Twins. This year, it's mandatory in all the classes. And I'm a, I could go on and on. I actually did a, a really good article on airbag suits. I think it was last year. If you, uh, if you Google like Corey Texter airbag suits, it should come up. But um, yeah, they're, they're phenomenal and extremely underrated. I think everybody should, should, look in, should look into getting one. And if you're a child or a youth and you can't get, uh, or if you're constantly buying leathers and the, and the airbag suit is a little out of your price range, um, there's a vest, I think it's called Healy light, uh, Chase Sadhoff actually wears one, one of my team CTR riders. Yeah. He wears one all the time. Yeah. Hit him <clears throat> up or hit his parents up to get some information on that. It's a vest that inflates same thing as the airbag suit, but you wear it over your leathers. Um, I think, I think they're, they're amazing. So underrated. Let's see. Next one is Strider bikes. Man, these are just like underrated, underrated, underrated. I think striders are amazing. Uh, what what they've done from for my little guy Cruz, just the bike balance and and aside from like be, learning how to ride and things like that, like Cruz was he was able to ride a bicycle at when he turned two with he never had training wheels. Okay, but Cruz is different than most little kids. Well, just in general, I think it's good. <laughs> I think it's good to have the. Uh, <laughs> the balance like it teaches all kinds of balance for those kids and then aside from that it teaches you discipline it teaches you you know having your first bike at a younger age you know things like that i think i think they're super 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 underrated and um whether or not you you get i i I do sell them shameless plug but if whether or not you get them from me or not (laughs) i think you should uh look into it um i'm trying i'm actually doing a project right now where i'm trying to raise money to put a strider bike program in my elementary school that I went to school, like a learn to ride bicycle program for the kindergartners, I'm raising money to put that program into one of my, one of my, uh, my high school, the, the elementary school. So I think, I think Shri- that'd be pretty sweet as a company. They're, they're great. Yeah. They're really great. So underrated. Next one is Taylor Swift. She's actually from my hometown ish, maybe 20 minutes out in Reading. Really? Yeah. Huh. Or why I'm missing Redding, whatever. But I'm going to say she's slightly overrated. She's had a couple bangers like blank space was 
was heat. I used to rock. I just fired it up the other day just just to get loose a little bit. But I'm gonna say it's I'm gonna say she's a little overrated. Um, just because I haven't really had any overrated. So sorry, Tay Tay. I'm uh I'm gonna say overrated. <laughs> I would agree. I'm not her biggest fan. So. She's good, but she's not any better than like she's Miley right. or any of those. Oh, Miley's way better. I was just watching Hannah Montana, man. Uh, I'm just not like into <laughs> that genre, I suppose. Uh, that's a big old next on my uh, Pandora when, when that stuff comes on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last but not least is the production twin class. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm a little biased. I race in it. I think it's properly rated right now, but it's going to be very underrated moving forward. I think it could and should be the premier class. I think, you know, all the bikes in that class are essentially equal. Like, obviously, I think there's some that are slightly better than others, but you can build a bike in your garage and go compete for podiums in that class. And I don't think you can do that anymore with the singles and definitely not the per the premier AFT yeah. super twin. So I'm going to say moving forward, look for the production twins. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with the Indians though, because um, they're such a phenomenal bike and I, I want to see them involved, but you know, everybody else is. Oh kinda, yeah. They're huge for the sport, but yeah. Yeah. What do you, I mean, out of the three classes, like what is yours, like without being biased or whatever, what is your favorite <laughs> class? That's kind of hard, watch? but, uh, my favorite class to watch would probably be the production class just because other than like having my people in it, it's just, I don't know. I feel like you can see talent really well. Um, and because everything's so similar and that you get to see like people kind of just built that in their garage and then they hopped in their van and they're racing and you get to see everybody's skill and like what they're good at and what they're not good at. Other than like, I don't know. I feel like the, in the super twins it's all pretty similar like it's not there's not much racing that happens in that yeah but with you guys in the production class you don't know who's going to win that day like there might be a good top three guess maybe but you still have no idea yeah yeah and the singles is the same way but i think the singles it's um the racing is more of a crapshoot. All the bikes are too similar. Yeah. Too, yeah. You can't break away. You can't override a single as much as you mm -hmm. can. I feel like the horsepower of a production twin, there's a lot more smoothness, things like that racecraft that plays in the favor where, you know, riding and racing the singles class is just having the biggest testicles. It's just going. Yeah. For I was going to say it's like balls to the wall and just like, who's going to yeah. like, I don't know. They're like playing chicken. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's actually <laughs> scary to do, but um, yeah, I would say it's, it's probably rated. We, we need some more guys in it. I think this class this year, that class is going to be, it's going to be really stacked. I think it's going to be the hardest year for oh, twins. I think there's a good seven to nine guys who have either won or have been on the podium at the AFT professional level in that class. A couple former singles champions are in it, you know, guys, just really competitive, good guys. And I'm excited for that, um, for that challenge as somebody that rides in it. So yeah, I'm going to say a little underrated, but, uh, um, mostly properly rated and try not to be biased because I'm, I'm, I'm in it. <laughs> so. it it's hard not to be, but yeah. And I no, I, I think it's probably the best one to watch right now, at least. Yeah, and I will say I, I don't care if people think I'm biased or not, but the talent level 
is um is 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 the most underrated like out of all the classes like the top guys yeah oh for sure they're um if you look at lap times i know it's hard to hard to judge that but i mean i think the top guys in production could 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 do very very well in super twins i'm not saying we'd go out and we'd beat briar jared consistently every weekend because those guys are the best no but but we would um we would be fighting for that you guys very well be up top for sure yeah for sure but um yeah, no, I appreciate it, Jalen. Those were good ones. Those were good ones. So if you guys have any, send her way. Send her way, and we'll, we'll get them rolling on the next show. Yeah, I need a lot because my list is going down very quickly already. So yeah. if anybody wants to send any, then just send them on Instagram or Facebook or wherever. But not to Corey because he can't see him. Yeah, I don't know what she's going to ask me before we do this. So I, I actually enjoy it a lot because it's it's kind of a surprise to me too. But, yeah, cool. Well, Jalen, we'll, uh, for the, we probably will, I think we'll probably fire off one more show before bike week, but you're coming down. So, uh, I'll be there. Fans. We can do our next one on the beach. <laughs> yeah, well, we could, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, if you guys are around, you see Jalen at the track, definitely, definitely thank her for being part of the show and thanks brother. We will, uh, chat you soon. See you later. All right. Later. <laughs> I called her brother. <laughs> She's going to text me if y'all be all pissed, but yeah, fun show, fun segment as always looking forward to the next one. I, uh, again, want to thank all of our sponsors for tuning in all of, uh, all of our, uh, the fans su- subscribe, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Bell Power Sports, Moto America, JE Pistons, Jerry Stinchfield at Roof System. A lot of support for those guys. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.